Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. This episode of the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast Series is brought to you by GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high-quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Jay Norton, Professor and Extension Specialist of Soil Science with the University of Wyoming. Jay will be discussing cover crops and carbon sequestration. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. To get us started, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've had my job as the statewide soil science extension specialist and research scientist here at uh, Wyoming for 15 years. And before that, I was extension director in uh, a county in California. Um, But I grew up in, in Iowa on a corn and soybean and beef cow farm and uh Uh, So I've been in my job here, and before that, I've been looking at management practices that improve the soil and the sustainability of agricultural production systems. So I've I've really kind of tuned into the the soil health movement in recent years and and tried to look at management practices that improve soil health. Fantastic. Well, so glad to have you join us today. Let's go ahead and jump right into our topic for today today. Um, what soil management practices specifically remove carbon from the atmosphere and then permanently store it as soil organic carbon? Well, any practices that promote uh, plant growth, uh, because plants have the ability to fix carbon from the atmosphere and store it in their, their tissues and in particular in their roots. So practices that, that, maximize plant growth and and especially plants that have prolific root systems. Uh, So I'm talking about perennial plants that have time to really develop large root systems. And also um, in a perennial system, we don't have disturbance. So disturbance or reduced disturbance is another practice that promotes carbon storage in the soil and uh, reduces its removal. So the combination of putting it in with um, root production from plants and not disturbing the soil to lose that stored carbon is are kind of the, the top of the line practices. Okay. So talk a little bit about why soil organic carbon is so critical for agriculture in general. Well, soil organic carbon is the main component of soil organic matter. Soil organic matter, which we talk about all the time for in soil health, is um, about half, more or less, organic carbon. So soil organic matter is, is crucial for agriculture because it really promotes all the soil health components that, that we want to improve and, and maintain. For example, uh, Higher organic matter creates better aggregation and better soil structure that promotes water, better water infiltration and better water storage in the root zone. It uh, cycles nutrients more effectively and, and 
holds available nutrients so they're available when plants need them and instead of allowing uh, leaching or erosion to carry them away. It, it reduces erosion because strong aggregation and water infiltration uh, reduces runoff and uh, the ability of the sediments to you know, be carried away. So taking that a step further, how do plants go about fixing carbon in their root systems? Well, as plants grow during the daytime, they, they uh, have the ability to um, absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and take that molecule apart in their metabolism and fix the carbon as organic molecules that make up their structure. So, and there's a wide range of that. Lignin is one of the uh, main ones. Um, and they emit oxygen as they do that. So uh, without, well, I don't even have the ability to get more into it than that, but the, that's, that's how plants operate is they absorb carbon from the atmosphere to create their, their growth and, and uh, yield. So why does heavy tillage result in higher carbon decomposition rates? I compare it kind of to during the compost pile, you want to stir the compost pile to aerate the, the soil or the compost and, and wake up the microbes so they can do their thing and, and, re, and, and decompose the materials you've put in the compost pile. The same thing happens with tilling the soil. You, you're stirring the pot, you're, you're aerating that, you're really stimulating those decomposer microbes to attack um, organic material in the soil. And the other thing you're doing is you're breaking apart aggregates and a, a lot of soil organic matter and soil organic carbon is protected within those soil aggregates. So tillage is pretty effective at, at breaking up uh, aggregates and exposing organic matter to tillage to uh, decomposition and loss as carbon dioxide to the atmosphere as, as microbes attack and respire that material. So now talk a little bit about cover crops and the ecosystem services that are provided by cover crop. Carbon sequestration and improving soil health are definitely important ones. They can also provide forage. I'm not one to get stuck on words and say that cover crops have to be for the soil only. I, I think uh, using cover crops, or if you want to call them annual forages, um, as hay or pasture uh, is, is a great practice. And if it can get more, more producers to work cover crops into their system, that's great. They also provide water uh, habitat. They reduce erosion. They improve you know, water storage and water filtering. So there's a lot of different kinds of ecosystem services, including you know, environmental protection, production, and, and uh, biodiversity that they really support. So kind of going back a little bit to talking about carbon sequestration, how much carbon can be sequestered in a field in one year? Or how do you go about determining that amount? Well, that, that's a great question. And it, it really varies. Um, in one year, you know, not a lot, but, but it accumulates and, and it, uh, if the soil is depleted, that's one thing that determines how much carbon can be put back into it. Uh, soils 
are really a representation of long-term equilibrium with their environment. And that includes how much organic matter they have in their, in their near surface uh, soil horizons. So um, there's going to be a, sort of a maximum amount a particular soil in a particular environment can hold of, of uh, organic carbon. But as far as how much can be sequestered in a year, um, people have kind of determined that if, if we could sequester somewhere around 150 pounds of organic matter, so you know less than 100 pounds of carbon per acre per year, we could, in, in you know, soils around the world, we could offset human-caused climate change, um, the, the emissions from human-caused sources. Uh, so that doesn't sound like a lot, 150 pounds per acre per year. We've measured, uh, in Wyoming, we've measured conversion from wheat fallow, heavy, heavily tilled wheat fallow, to no-till and to conservation reserve, uh, per, you know, perennial grasses. And after seven years of no-till, we discovered that we were sequestering about 250 pounds of carbon per acre per year over that seven years. Um, so that's about 500 pounds of, of soil organic matter. In the CRP ground, after seven years, we were accumulating about a thousand pounds of organic matter per year or 500 pounds of carbon. So, um, so that's not a lot, uh, but it, but it's enough to, to make a difference and slowly move us towards back towards that optimal amount in the soil. But for example, um, the native prairie in that system that we were looking at, we also compared it to native prairie that has about 3% soil organic matter and our no-till has about one and a half percent. And to regain that one and a half percent would, I calculated would take something like 40 years under no-till at the rate we're going. So the, the good news with that is that if you entered into a, a carbon captured contract, you know, it could it could go for quite a while before you top out and, and reach the, the the maximum amount the soil could hold. Okay. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit, and I, I want to dig into it a little bit more. What factors influence how much carbon can be sequestered in the soil? Well, it's, it's really a function of the environment that the soil is in. So uh, in, in the Midwest, in the, that was tall grass prairie for you know, thousands of years, um, there, there's a great environment there for high biomass productivity and the soil texture and um, the, the inherent properties of the soil are also pretty optimal for high plant production. And over, the, over time that has caused, you know, a lot of organic matter to be stored in the soil. Now in other environments, like in a lot of Wyoming, um, we're in a semi-arid environment. Our, our soils might be more sandy or more clay and not optimal for high biomass production. So our, the amount of carbon our soils store is a lot lower just because of that, that equilibrium with the long-term environment. 
We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands like Nitro Radish, KB Annual Ryegrass, Super B Facelia, and TNT Vetch. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. That's tiltpro.com. And now back to the podcast. Back to the soil type question that you were talking about. Are there certain soil types that can hold more carbon than others? Yeah, another very good question. Um, Basically, you know, again, it's the soil types that produce the most root biomass, you know, the most plant biomass. And, And those are uh, there's there's a strong correlation between uh, clays and stable organic carbon compounds because clays absorb to organic carbon compounds and, and sort of permanently store them. But that doesn't mean you know a clay soil is going to be the best because it's not going to be the best for plant production. Uh, sand we know is 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 poor at that because it doesn't hold um does absorb to carbon like that so what we really want is you know a good loam or a good silty clay loam or you know that that's really gonna um promote high plant production and have enough clay in there to to absorb to stable carbon compounds and permanently store carbon that way so you kind of mentioned this earlier that um using no-till practices it could be 40 years before soil really reaches its maximum potential in regards to carbon sequestration. From what I understand, as soil reaches that maximum potential point where it's the carbon sequestration is is starting to peak, why does that carbon sequestration slow down or even stop? You know, as long as there's a, a crop in that soil, wouldn't it continue producing carbon? Or, or I guess, how does that work? And, and why does the carbon sequestration slow down? Well, that, that's a, a great question, Sarah. And I think to some degree, uh, that's not well understood. And it's, it's something that scientists are, are around the world are really trying to, to look at. And how do we get soil to store more carbon and how do we how do we stabilize carbon so it's not lost again once once we do capture carbon in the soil but uh, part of the answer i think is that a healthy soil with an optimal amount of soil organic carbon and soil organic matter really promotes a, a strong and vibrant microbial community and that microbial community uh, you know, uses that carbon source to, to grow and flourish. And it, it, it fixes some carbon, but it also respires some carbon. Um, and so that there's just kind of an optimal uh, amount that's, it, that's in equilibrium with the other factors that contribute to a, a strong active microbial community, which are, you know, the moisture and, and the, the temperatures that they're exposed to. So other than no-till, what 
other management practices can growers use with cover crops to increase soil organic carbon maybe at a faster rate and and more effectively yeah so those two practices you know i think it's been found that they really go well together if you just do cover crops and till it a lot you're going to lose a lot of what you gain every year with cover crops and and without cover crops just with no-till you know you're really not putting a lot of um, plant material back into the system and other practices what might be um, organic amendments if you have access to, to manure and compost that can both directly put organic material containing carbon into the soil and um, and also increase biomass production that that increases carbon storage in the soil. Um, another thing would be to, to incorporate uh, perennial phases in crop rotation. So I think having livestock be part of a system, whether it's on the farm or you're selling hay or, or releasing pasture, having perennial phases, two or three or four years in, in grass alfalfa, really it, it reduces disturbance and it, it really develop the plants are able to really develop strong uh, large root systems and uh, we've seen organic matter really pick up under perennial systems so those would be be some important practices i think okay so talk a little bit about the role of nitrogen in the soil and how it helps facilitate the conservation of soil organic carbon. Yeah, this is a really pretty interesting um, subject. Uh, soil microbes really need, you know, all the nutrients basically that we need to grow and flourish and carbon and, and nitrogen are, are kind of the ones most often, most often limiting their growth or the growth of microbial uh, communities. So, um, the, the carbon to nitrogen ratio in the soil is a, is very important. And it's, it's usually around 10, I'd say. And, and so, uh, it, it stays around 10 because of microbial activity and, and decomposition. And, um, so if you don't have very much nitrogen, you're not going to have more than, than 10 times the amount of carbon in the soil. So increasing nitrogen, you know, they're, they're really coupled the two, the two systems or the two cycles, the nitrogen cycle and the carbon cycle are really closely coupled so that both plants and microbes need nitrogen in order to, to fix carbon and, and produce carbon and, and biomass and store it. So you talked a little bit earlier about perennial cover crops. But why is the choice of which cover crop species important? Well, from my perspective, the most important uh, factor in, in growing a cover crop or choosing a cover crop is how much biomass it can produce. That's really the most, the most important factor you, uh, that should be considered. Um, if, if you have a, you know, a beautiful cover crop that only produces 300 pounds per acre of biomass, you're just not going to get the benefits of, of uh, improving the soil. Um, but if, if you just plant, you know, a monocrop of barley and you get 
two tons per acre. Um, that that's really putting a lot of fine fibrous roots in the soil and, and a lot of above ground biomass as well. So I, I think the potential biomass produced is, is really the most important factor to consider. So that leads me to my next question. You mentioned a monoculture. Is it better for growers if they're looking to sequester soil organic carbon? Is a monoculture better or a cover crop mix a better choice? A mixture can be a better choice because oftentimes we've seen that mixtures produce more biomass. The the you know the the diversity in a in a cover crop field can can stimulate more production of all the plants because if you have some legumes in there they're fixing nitrogen that benefits the other plants and um, just the the root root architectures that work together to exploit you know more soil nutrients and more moisture to produce more biomass so again the from the perspective of of the most important factor being biomass then then mixtures can be advantageous and also you know if you have a monoculture of barley like i mentioned you're probably going to have to fertilize that to get the most biomass produced where a, a mixture the the plants can uh, form some kind of synergies amongst the different species to optimize or maximize uh, biomass production in, in those mixtures. So I still think the most important factor is biomass production, but uh, it's been shown that, you know, mixtures can actually produce more. There's okay. other factors to consider like forage quality. Um, if, if they're going to be used for hay or, or pasture, then, then forage quality is another factor to consider for sure. Well, that actually was going to be my next question is, is it better for growers to aim for more biomass quantity or quality of the cover crop that's being grown? Improving soil health and increasing organic matter and organic carbon is, is the main goal. Then quantity should really be the goal. Um, all plants contain a, a very diverse set of different kinds of tissues that, that promote a, a lot of different kinds of microbial activity. So, so even a monoculture is going to support a very diverse soil microbial community. So it, unless there's another factor like forage quality and, and that, you know, there, there are big differences in forage quality among different species of, of cover crops or forages. Um, but from the perspective of, of just soil organic matter, I, I think quantity is, is the main factor to consider. Great. Well, where can our listeners go for more information about cover crops and carbon sequestration? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I think a really good source is the, the USDA program called SARE, the Sustainable Agriculture Research and Extension Program. They fund a lot of cover, cover crop type research and soil health research. And they also have, uh, they, they put out a lot of publications reporting the results of research and summarizing the results of more, you know, more technical studies. Um, another place that you can find online is, that, so that was the, the soil, I mean, the Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education Institute. Um, and then another one would be the Soil Health Institute has uh, 
a great website with a lot of resources on it. Those would be two I can think of. And then NRCS, of course, has a lot of good resources online. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor, GS3 Quality Seed, the distributor of high quality, trusted cover crop seed brands. You can learn more about these cover crops and numerous other species at tiltpro.com, as well as find the seed dealer nearest you. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.